Ladies and gentlemen, from the state of Illinois, from the city of Chicago, a home slice, home toast, home skillet. In the building with me today is Rob Smooth of a group called Made in Chicago, also known as King Drive. Peace, my brother. How you doing? Peace, peace, peace. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is something I wanted to do uh, off and on when I get a chance to listen to your music. You know, it's, it's always a good vibe. Uh, and I appreciate just good music coming out of the city of Chicago, you know, and you guys got that, that, that old school, true school music that that's still needed and it's still flourishing out here. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So wh where are you from? Uh, I'm from Inglewood originally, um, uh, born and raised on the South side. Um, primarily, um, just, you know, um, a Chicago dude, man, um, that's made their bones in the uh, rap industry, not only on the local side, but, you know, uh, with the Internet on the global side as well, being able to touch, um, you know, fans in different places just from where we at. You know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What, what got you what first got you into doing hip hop music? Um, I would kind of say that I was inspired by. Um, a couple of people that I know um, who made beats at the time. Um, uh, one of them in particular was uh, Robert Jackson, who's um, uh, a friend of mine that I've been knowing a long time. My days going to Columbia College. Um, and Rob had a whole bunch of equipment back then and it inspired me. And then uh, what's this other brother named by the name of Chester Gregory? who's a, a, a singer and songwriter. And he's also like, a, he does like stage plays or whatever. Um, but at the time he was a young beat maker and he had this, um, uh, a, a sampler car in Sneak. And um, he taught me how to sample on there. And I was so intrigued by that, that I went to Guitar Center and I bought one. And um, from there I was pretty much gone. And that was like in the early nineties, maybe like 90. 96, 97, like that. Okay. C Columbia College, what, what were you in, in school for? I'm a design major, major. so um, I paint and draw. Um, so so that, that explains that explains part of the fly shit when I be seeing the vibe with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the fly shit definitely comes from the design aspect of my lifestyle. Um, I don't think I ever set out to be a musician. Um, mm. I always wanted to be a visual artist. So that's always been my thing. So even when I went to college, like I was turned on to music, you know, by these people that I mentioned, um, because I saw it as a form of art, but it was sonic. So it was like art, but it was, you know, using your ears and hands and everything like that. So um, that was just something that I adapted in a creative way. Um, and just start working with it. I initially started out making beats and then I eventually started rhyming over the beats that I made because I wanted to sell beats. So that was my way of showing people, well, this is how you rock over this kind of beat. And, okay. um, and, it, and it pretty much went from there. Okay, uh, my other question that I wanna ask you about, who was your top influences as far as rappers would go in a city early on? Um, I think they've changed over time. I think initially um, one of my greatest influences uh, when I first started 
probably was Slick Rick. And um, I think Tribe Called Quest had a major impact on me as well, as far as, you know, composing rhymes in an abstract sense. So I would say uh, Rakim and Tribe. And then by the time Nas came along and they had the whole Queens Bridge thing, um, that was a major influence as well, especially on the beat side of things, you know, okay. and helped develop and craft uh, a blueprint for a sound that we was looking for. Okay. Um, eventually became what, you know, we considered a, a South Side hip hop sound is what we make. Um, but really it's just, you know, a slow down sample, traditional, what you said, traditional hip hop type of, uh, you know, approach. Okay. Early on, did you, did you find it? Cause I, when I started doing the rap music, I kind of got this like tension around the city early on. Was it that, was it the same way for you? Like there was a South side versus West side thing, or was it just. Yeah. People... Um, it wasn't even necessarily a South side, West side thing. It was more of a South side, North side thing. And um, I remember it being hard to kind of get in the North side click. Like, if you didn't hang with them, they ain't really fuck with no Southsiders like that. You could show up to the parties or whatever, but you wasn't really, like, in the clique. Um, I've watched that dissolve over time. Okay. Um, I've watched that whole, you know, um, segmented demographic of Chicago-based rappers and fans kind of, like, dissolve over time. Um, um, I'm thankful because, you know, I had the perseverance to kind of stay with it and kind of like supersede this whole um, demographic, you know, whatever you want to call it, backpack, click type of yeah. thing, you know, and I did that by, you know, consistently putting music out. Um, Do you think that shit comes from the territorial aspect of Chicago because of like the organization uh, cultures that we had early on? And it just kind of just transferred into the music, like as far as like gangs and, and, and that sort of shit. Do you think that was a part of it or do you think that should just happen because of people just I want to rep my side of the city? No, it wasn't that. Um, I think it was more so of uh, by default, the places where hip hop were allowed for us to convene and have parties were on the north side. Facts. But believe it or not, you know, those bar owners were the ones who kind of kept the culture, you know, alive for us. It wasn't necessarily too many outlets on the South Side to even do uh, rap or hip hop. Very true. You know, I remember meeting um, my first time meeting Juice, um, the rapper from Chicago. Yes, sir. Legendary. Legendary. Legendary Legendary Juice. My first time meeting him is when I met Vice, Vice Versa, who's another rap rapper from Chicago. And Vice introduced me to Juice at the spot. I'll never forget, it was on Randolph. But this was like an open mic venue. I had never heard of nothing like that. I didn't even know anything like that was going on in the city at the time. And at the time, JD and I were working at the parking lot. We was valeting cars. I did that for a long time when I was going to Columbia. And so I always remember, you know, that one day of going up to the spot of somebody telling me that, you know, it's an open mic spot on Randolph. And I went up there. But to answer your question, it's like um, the North Side had the venues. So, of course, you know, that's, that's where you got to go. Yeah. You know, and so if you weren't one of those people that was willing to get up and go 
to where the party was, you wasn't necessarily, you know, in that thing. But I, I, I gained my respect by having good music and putting it out. And I that's think, all that matter at the end of the day, bro. And they, and they respected me for that, you know. Um, um, and it goes back, you know, a few years. Like I remember, we first I dropped our first album in um, um, 1999. Everything's been changed. Um, and I remember getting some feedback from some Northside rappers about how dope the album was. Um, and I know I hadn't even really been, you know, pushing the album up north like that. It's just that the feedback had gotten back. But, you know, that, that's an interesting, um, a very good question that you posed about um, how everything became segmented. And yeah. And I only mention that because, like, I think at the time there was a studio called Creator's Way or some mm -hmm. shit like that. And like, for me coming from the south side to get, to go up north and they said like, oh you gotta go up north you gotta go up north but every now and then it was like places you would go like you just felt like this tension and mm. sometimes i was like is it the tension of you know just that masculine energy or do niggas just not are they just not fucking with us when we in here you know and so I mean, I had it was, was kind of half and half it was kind of half and half i felt that too um i did feel a vibe of not necessarily being welcome i remember me and jd had a um we were in a uh, we were in a battle um, at the Dragon Room, and I remember it being tension about we not gonna let these Southsiders come up here and win this shit. And, of course, and, um, it just goes and speaks to the point that you were making that 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 tension was was there already. You know what I'm saying? Because um, when you think about it. Um, you know, that north side really was putting a flag up when it comes down to this is where it's popping at. And um, that's the truth, because, like, again, there there wasn't shit happening on the, on the south side or the west side. Very, very far and few in between places where you could go, where you could get a vibe for hip hop music, mm -hmm. um, have a great experience and just go home. Like, that, it wasn't yeah. shit happening out here. You had to go up north. Yeah, yeah, you had to go up north. It was you all mandatory, you know. And, and for, for me, like in the process of going, then I started hearing that and I, and you know, I, no offense to nobody, you start hearing that old slave nigga mentality. Oh, why are you going up there? Why are you fucking with them up there? Bro, That's you gotta go up there. Rock. Where you gonna rock at? So as I did my, my what we considered the local touring circuit thing, all that was done on the north side. You had to go. Like, you weren't doing shit. You wasn't popping if you wasn't going that up there. All that was done on the north side. You, you had know, you had to do it. Rocking at some legendary spots that were, if it wasn't on the north side, it wouldn't have happened. And that's just, that's just how it is. I made my bones being able to, you know, and that's kind of how we garnered some of the respect that, you know, we got is by coming up, to a foreign land, which was the north side, blowing that shit down and getting up out of there. You know, we was all no, always notorious for rocking hard and then dipping. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we should have politicked more, but it was always like, damn, did you just see that? And, and yeah. where are they? Now they gone. Yeah, but but that was the other part I had to learn too, right? The networking, staying around to chill out because the, the whole vibe of coming from the south side was we going up here, we gonna do our shit, we gonna bounce. We ain't trying to, we ain't trying to have no static, right. and we ain't trying to get involved in no shit. That's the problem. It's that second part. That, but that's what I, I'm saying. It was I always, had to learn that as an artist that you know, stay around. You know, I'm politic. You know, with the kick people. The shit. Yeah, kick the shit. 
And that, that kind of shit is very important, you know. And now, like, on the level we are now, it kind of make it difficult because, you know, you don't want to go on the stage and then go out in the audience, even though you didn't invite people to the show. So it's a little different now. Um, but I know back then, it's a lot of shows we could have stayed in politics, and we didn't, you know. Um, so that's something for the new artists to learn out here. You do a show, politic with the artists that you were on the bill with, the promoters, managers, DJs, you know, fans, you know, chop it up with them, you know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Another question for you is, do you think Chicago radio could have done a better job as far as promoting Chicago artists and playing the music instead, instead of that one hour on a certain day? Could they have had a better rotation with us? Yeah, I mean, well, once I learned, you know, once I learned about radio format, it kind of made more sense to me. Right. Um, for what we do is considered backpack rapping, you know, um, and not all of us, but they call it radio programming for a reason. So Absolutely. There is a program. The director. That, yeah. Some of the stuff that we jam with. When you think about it, realistically, we don't hear it like, you know, um, we fans of hip hop. We love Common Kanye. They ain't playing that on the radio. Not even really right now in this current day and age. And it's always been that way. So understanding radio is going to put a lot of things in perspective when it comes to that. At a certain point, I realized that um, the music that I make didn't necessarily fit the format for what they play. And a radio station is a business. They enter playing the hottest records, Absolutely. not necessarily just records. Um, and that's that's a business that they in. Nine times out of ten, there's some kind of promotional marketing that's going behind that record, getting those spins that they garner. So um, they chasing what they call an ad, right? So if you're not paying for an ad, sponsorship dollars, right? So then when it comes down to people like us, who what they would consider, you know, um, artists who ain't pop yet or local artists or whatever they have. They put all their records in a mix show. That's fine. But the problem with that is, is um, the mix show thing is, is kind of like some BS in itself because they don't want to play the song long enough for it to be detected for a spin. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You might pay it, play it like, uh, you know, 30 seconds, but then at detection, it might be a minute to where they got to cash in and, you know, actually... Um, uh, document that as a spin at two minutes, they're going to let it spin for 60 seconds. So yeah. it'll be documented. And that's fine on the promotion side, but you got to know what battles to choose. And yeah. a long time ago, I realized that radio wasn't a mountain that I was trying to climb. But it sucked because when you go down south, when you go on the West Coast, when you go on the East Coast, there's like constant different, there's constantly different music on a radio that they promote from their artists. And you're going like, yo, they don't do that shit in Chicago. Like, that's how I heard about Crooked Eye. There was like every every day or every other day or like a Freestyle Friday, like you hearing this dude and you're like, who the fuck is this murdering everything on the radio? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then when you get back home, it's just like, yo, this is such and such, such where hip hop lives. And this is all we rocking with. And we, like you said, we give you that 60 seconds, maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit more, just so we don't hit the BDS mark. 
and and we gonna and we gonna and we gonna say yo that's Rob Smooth y'all call us call in and tell us what you think bro right. you gave them you gave them a hook and half a verse right and and this and this the part is like you made a good statement when you said that yeah y'all call us and tell us what you think it puts you in that box almost like you you know you got to show you like talent show shit right. I know I make dope music. You can play it or you don't have to play it. That's the beauty of the internet because now, you know, with the streaming game, it has superseded that. Like, if you put my song on the radio and that helped me garner more sales and streams, then fine. But if not, you know, um, I wouldn't even use my marketing dollars to, you know, go after radio because to me, that's like one of the oldest forms of, you know, communication. There's a lot of rappers I love. I never hear them on the radio. Absolutely. And that's not stopping them from getting no yes, show sir. money or no sales. No, so um, good music it, is good music. It's so political too. You know, one thing I realized that with the radio thing, um, Chicago is really political, man. Like up and down in every aspect of business. Chicago politics is in play with that. And uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but- But it's, it's frustrating, it's irritating like a motherfucker to get shit done. It's it's about who you rolling with. So that's what I realized about the shot. It could be somebody that's in a position of power that they can really make things happen for you. But if you ain't really vouched by nobody, it's kind of like, whose guy is this? That's kind of where we at in the industry like we made our own lane we've never been in a situation where an industry heavyweight can say well rob them as our people because if they do that then we can move a lot further we've always been independent to the point to where can't nobody claim us can't nobody in the shot with no juice say no them my guys we came from where we came from you know and so a lot of that be about what affiliations you in you know what groups or fraternal orders you a part of. That stuff is serious, man. And you would think it wouldn't play a role, but it plays a major role in whether you're going to get considered, you know, whether a DJ is going to break your record, whether a program director is even going to listen to your record. Facts. um, Whether you can get booked at a venue and all of that. It's like, whose guys are these? It's a few power players in the shop, you know, and they gatekeepers too. So if you rolling under one of them, you fine. But if you not, it's like I don't know them. Yep. Who let it, who, who? Hey, don't 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 let them on stage. Right. Don't play that record. You know what I mean. But right. And because it's, it's like, who are they? Like, who do they know? Who is the person that's saying, okay, they good? Because that's how things operate in the shot. Oh, he's good. Don't don't trip. They're my people. Yeah. So, and if you don't have that person saying they're my guys, then you got to take it like us. You know, we've been taking our own, you know, we we taking the whatever they want to call it, underground hip hop kings of the shy. We taking that yeah. along with, you know, what we got going on with the Moors being everything. So um fly shit, it. fly shit. Let's talk. Let's let's get into that, because I've seen Greg posting that for months off and on. And it seems like now it it, it, it done took off. How, how did how did you guys get into that? Well, what's dope about Moors beer is. um um, the owners of Moore, Moore's Beer were initially uh, and currently are a part of MIC. Uh, the owner um, was our main um, um, numbers guy on the marketing side, as well as um, uh, accountant, whose name is Jamal Johnson. Um, he always spoke about for years that we needed a product to kind of 
center around the music and vice versa. Um, so on Juneteenth last year, he launched the Moore's Beer. Um, we actually initially dropped the album for Regardless in May. And then the brew dropped in June. And then we did cross collaborations to promote both, like one hand wash the other. So um, King Drive are the brand ambassadors for Moore's Beer. Um, one of the only rappers in Chicago with a real sponsor with a company that's actually making moves. You know, uh, we may be in like 200 locations in Chicago. We got Trust Arena, we got um, the United Center. So just in a year's time, um, the beer is exploding, you know, as the premier black owned beer out of Chicago. Love it, I love it. And the branding and the marketing is all synonymous with the whole King Drive movement. Got a black man on the can with diamonds in his ear chains so you know um um like jamal said um they were blatant with um the branding of moore's beer you know intentional about um making sure that we would have a product that could be officially celebrated something that we can embrace you know as our own take ownership for and pretty much push it to the maximum to have a product you know with a sound bed behind it that's pretty much complimented by King Drive. So, you know, we got fly market and fly merch, fly music. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you got, is it brewed here in Chicago or is it um, somewhere else? I think it's brewed uh, right outside of Chicago and in Indiana. Okay. Okay. Yeah, All right. yeah. But it's Chicago based. So tell me, cause I don't think I, I may have, may have not asked this. Your top five MCs of all time. My top five. Um, um, and it's okay, bro, because I've seen people do this list. I can ask you now, Rob, I see you two weeks from now. Your list going to change. I know it. Your list will change. Yeah. Um, um, I had to go with, um, and I'm just going to go with my faves. I'm going to have to go with um, Snoop, Nas. Um, um, Scarface, um, Jay-Z, and Black Dog. Oh, oh, you went tough. Yeah. You went tough. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard lineup to fuck with. Yeah. yeah. That's a real hard lineup to, to fuck with. And those are really some of my real influences. Like I can go deeper, but though those core of people, you know, and I like them for different things. Like okay. I like I like Snoop for his charisma, you know. Um, I like um, I like Scarface for his realism, you know, and the content. Um, I like Jigger for his his imagination, like. Um, you know, he raps, but he manifests. You know, mm -hmm. we've watched him rap about this shit all of these years. So, you know, for different reasons is why I like um, some artists, you know, and the content that they got. Scarface was also a good storyteller, too. Yeah, he was. Um, what I liked about Face was his content 
even as a young man, was centered about around real life circumstances. Mm-hmm. Never really been about money or none of that. It's always been about life and its struggles, and you know that I I, re, I really respect that. You know, yeah. We pick certain lanes out of hip hop, certain attributes of it, like the dope dealing or toting guns. You know, we put a lot of glitter on that shit. But I like when people you know, rapping about regular shit, you know, yeah. and he, he, how he, hard it is to get a job, shit like that. You and know? he always dealt with that, you know, mental instability or mental illness or whatever it would be. He always talked about uh, stuff like that, but people never paid attention to it because like they said, like you said, they glamorize the dope and the guns. Yeah. You know, we pick and choose what we want to put emphasis on, you know, to, and that's just how everything is. You know, when you watch these movies and documentaries, you know, they always want to talk about the glow up of the hustler. You know, he had this many cars and all of this. It's a balance to that. You know what I'm saying? It's a balance to that. So it's not always, you know, what about the time dude had to do, you know? My man, I, I we talked about that on a podcast I did recently with, with my guys. It was called uh, It's Okay to Not Be an Entertainer. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I brought up. I said, is everybody sees a shiny product of the Hustler or, or LeBron James or Michael Jordan. But do y'all know how many fuck ups they had to make to get to that, to become that product? Yeah. And, and that in the music that you're he- hearing currently, no one's really talking about the struggles that they got, that they went through. It's a, several artists that I hear mention it, but the majority of them talk about this lifestyle of, of living and partying and, and, and everything being glorious. And that's not life. And it's not true. It's the not true. Of, as a majority of black people, we struggling. So if everybody was balling, like how they talking about on these raps, we will all be in a better situation. Like it, I ain't nobody rapping about, man, I ain't got no money. I'm pop because that's the reality of it. That's you know, the reality. So, when you think about it like that, you know, and that's what I tell a lot of art, a young, a lot of young artists is like, you know, depending on the person and on the MC, like rap is almost like WWF wrestling, man. You know, it's entertainment, people selling a dream on wax, but that ain't necessarily a reflection of their life. It's and not, that- but but that can get weird though, right? Because you you're making this studio image, right? And then when you get out into the public, when people see you. They looking at you like, yo, you a cornball. But that's the, you know, and that's the thing. That's why. So um, it's almost like a boomerang. Certain types of content comes back like a boomerang because it got a frequency attached to it. So when you get to talking about how many guns you toting or how much dope you selling, somebody going to check you on that because in their mind, they not looking at it like entertainment. They like, you said, when you come to my town, you're going to have a 50 round drum. So where is it? Right, we pulling up. And they're going to test you on that. And you yeah. looking at it like, man, I was just rapping. It's just a song. But, you know, mind you, everybody not mentally strong enough to even understand that this is a form of entertainment. Yeah, yeah. They see that it's complete realism. Like, it wouldn't be real if you ain't actually go through the trouble of making a song about it. Oh, no, it could be fake. Yeah, and it, it can be. You know what but Like they say, art imitates life, but that's a very slippery slope that I hope certain artists get a clearer understanding of when they put out that type of music. It comes with a consequence. 
of saying yeah. you a dope dealer. There's a consequence of saying you ready to knock somebody's head off 24 seven. It definitely is. And words are so powerful that you gotta be conscious of what you're saying. And it's a lot of things you can say. Um, you just gotta be mindful how you say it and what your approach is. You know, yeah. you can even be rapping about hustling from a third person point of view where it's not necessarily you, it's some shit you see out of your window. Nas made a whole career off of that, watching what the hustlers on the block did. You know what I'm saying? He never even prided himself on one, you know, as being one. Just, you know, somebody that was observing what went on in their community. So it can definitely happen. It's about the approach you have to it, you know, um, and the content you want to put out. All right. How did you guys, or or you, however it went, how did you guys come up with the name? Made in Chicago. Uh, that's a good question. Because when I saw that shit, I was like, yo, whoever did that is an asshole for taking that. That's <laughs> something I would have loved to have had that shit, man. I mean, you know what? That's something that we had for a long time. Um, so when we first came with the MIC, um, we was toying around this whole concept of being the best on the mic. Um, and... Um, I don't know if you heard of our first album, Everything's Been Changed, but on the cover, um, it was all of these acronyms of MIC. So when we came with MIC, it was basically about uh, the microphone itself. But then we were from Chicago. um, So we was like, man, um, we're going to be made in Chicago. Like everything we do is made in Chicago. You know, Mm -hmm. the music, the clothes, you know, um so what we did was branched off from that you know so it was mic made in chicago and then we changed that we just started adding on different acronyms of what mic meant so made in chicago was the main one and then we came with minds insight change which means your mind is gonna incite you to do different right um then we came with melodic influence committee so we kept we kept flipping the mic thing Right. Um, Over time, what we realized doing shows, touring, going out of town, we realized that Chicago was synonymous with the wrong kind of reputation. Right. So having a group name called Made in Chicago after a while, maybe doing it like 10, 12 years, I realized, wait a minute, this is going to kind of put us in a local box forever. Just the name. Right. You go to New York say you made in Chicago, somebody would say something like, I remember us selling some CDs in New York and somebody was, we told them the name of our group was made in Chicago and they said something, oh, like Al Capone. This was his first thought. That's the first thought. Like, oh, Everything no, is, is always be been gangster shit attached to, to Chicago. Wherever I've been, it's always been gangster shit. Yeah, I was like, no, nah, that ain't good. So, you know, um, um, in 2014, we did, um, we did a, um, a record label imprint deal with some of the former um, A&Rs from Loud, um, Maddie C and Scott Free. Um, and one of Scott Free's suggestion was, he was like, man, you might want to think about kind of changing the group name to kind of make it a little bit more universal. Okay. Because, you know, you get to yell in Chicago in a place that they don't mess with the shy like that, you done cut out a whole bunch of bread for yourself kind of like they make it local. Mm-hmm. I sat back and thought about that. 
Um, so then that's when we came with the King Drive because it's a King Drive in every major city. And this is where the black people are. So I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense because we'll still be able to get the concept that we was trying to put through the made in Chicago, but then we can put it on a universal plane because every hood got an MLK, MLK street or boulevard and this is where the black people are. So I'm like, man, that's it, King Drive. But they don't necessarily have nothing to do with Martin Luther King. It just means we are everywhere. Yeah. And that's where our people are. Mm -hmm. You know? And so MIC became King Drive because uh Made in Chicago had a reputation that we wasn't necessarily trying to fulfill. You know, that, that stigma. Get, yeah, that stigma is so old. Yeah, we didn't want to not get booked for having Chicago in our name. Or we didn't want to not get a venue or get paid or get a deal because people thought we were threatening or thought we were gang affiliated or, you know, thought we were too hood because, you know, and in, in a lot of ways, we actually the opposite of what that reputation, you know, um, is, you know, we come off very fly, you know, gentlemen, you know, um, the content is clean, you know, it can get gutter, but it's still respectable. So we've always been <clears throat> some stand-up guys. That's why the whole made concept is still, you know, still in there. But that was, you know, the history of the name, you know, how all of that came about. Yeah, for us, it was critical mass. So no one knew shit about where we were coming from, what we were doing. They knew it was three to four guys, five maybe at one time. Yeah, I, re I remember critical mass. I yeah, and... and and we we rolled around doing what we doing, and it was oh they from New York. Look how they rap, they rappy rapping, you know. And it was like no, nah, we from Chicago. And then people go what? So, yeah, nah, we from Chicago, bro. Like we from the south side of the shot. Like we we act like niggas here rap. Like there's a lot of us who can rap. Yeah, I mean they swore we was from New York for years, you know, uh, until they really started listening. Like man, they talking about Aberdeen and Morgan. They ain't from. New York. <laughs> Like, this is crazy. So, yeah, you know, we had to make our bones and, you know, um, and but that that transition helped us in 2014. Um, those dudes, I can't really thank them enough. Maddie C and Scott Free, those were the people who actually, you know, discover Big, you know, um, brought Big to Puff, you know. Puff, mm. Big was going to sign aloud at one particular time. And they were over the source. They was doing all of the you know, unsigned hype columns for Common when he first came out. So to have him as um, a New York-based A&Rs to co-sign us was big. Um, you know, they hip-hop curators. And so um, that that kind of held a lot of weight for us. And it kind of, it, it changed a lot of things because, you know, um, that co-sign helped us out, you know, a lot for, you know, in certain areas where people didn't want to give us our respect, they was like, oh, Maddie C, fuck with them. Like, right. it must be dope. Right. You know, and, and and all of that happened. You know, we dropped the album and Large Pro came to the studio, helped make oh, wow. and everything. So it was, it was just a legendary thing. Yeah, Large Pro is a legend, legendary producer. Yeah. You mentioned the name of Common. Do you have a favorite Common album? Um. Yeah, I like... Uh, like water for chocolate. Really? Okay. Okay. Mine's would be one day that all makes sense. But yeah, that one and I like I like resurrection a lot too. Okay. You know? 
I'll probably say Resurrection is my favorite comic album. Yeah, Resurrection is my favorite comic album. Okay. Like Water for Chocolate was 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 dope as fuck too. That was a dope album. Yeah. That was a dope album. All right, here go another question for you. Who are the top five, three to five producers that you would like to work with? Mm. Oh, man. Uh, who I want to work with? I say my top one I want to work with, probably Alchemist. Really? That would be dope as fuck. Yeah, that would be dope. Um, Alchemist would probably be one, the number one. Um, I would love to work with Dre. Would probably be two. Um, and then I would say um, I got to go longer than three. I got to say um, Alchemist, Dre. Um, Pharrell and um, I ain't gonna lie, man. I would love to work with Ye. Just Boy, to that's see four. what happen. Yeah, that's four. Um, yeah, just to see what happen. See what happen. You know what I'm saying? Um, he he has a tendency to push artists in directions that they don't think that they was even expecting them going. Um, but if I did some shit on some yay shit, I would want it to sound like some classic Kanye. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, and not to say the shit that he got ain't dope, cause I think it's dope. Uh, but I think he has a core sound that we don't usually hear a lot. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. And once in a while, we'll get glimpses of it and be like, oh yeah, that's the Kanye I like. But you know it when you hear it. Yeah, absolutely. I know what you're talking about. Like what we hearing now is cool, but it ain't it ain't nah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> and and I ain't I'm not saying nothing bad, but like when you listen to Kanye, you know, yeah, you I'm know talking about hearing. that flash, signature flashing yeah. lights, diamonds are forever, real Kanye shit to me. The signature know? Kanye. What we hearing now is cool. Like I like it, but when 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 he in that bag, you know what he's like, oh that's one. That's one. Right. I mean, I think he's, you know, I think, I think musically he has so much access and, you know, and I think he's brilliant musically that he's adapted a way to take this trap sound and turn it gospel. You know what I'm saying? Um, but then that shit still got a certain frequency that I don't necessarily register with me. So the gospel part go over, you know, it go over your head a little bit, but like I say, it would have to be over the classic sound. That he had. Okay. Okay. What about what about Primo? Would you like to work with Primo? Uh, I will work with Primo. I will work with Primo. Yeah, okay. I, I like that sound. Um, I like that sound. Yeah, yeah he got he. That's a, that's a classic dude himself, man. And and of course, Jay Dilla would be one that I would definitely want. Yeah, I mean, I could add on to that, man. Like I could really, you know, I was gonna say Pete Rock. Um, Ooh, tough. I was gonna say Pete Rock and um, man, Timberland got some shit too. So it's it, it's tough, man. It's some really dope producers out here um, that should get more should get more burn, you know. But my top one is probably Alchemist. I think he's probably got the sound. Man. That would be that would be dope as fuck, bro. Mm -hmm. That would be dope. What? 
Is there, have you made any steps into trying to make something like that happen? Well, I know a few of my producer friends, you know, uh, a couple of them know him. Um, but um, I like the sound. And um, I think what's dope about it is, shit, hell, we already make that kind of music. So, you know, to me, that would be, you know, a personal dream that's fulfilled. But um, sonically, we already there. Like, we in that lane. Okay. Dope samples, dope drums. And this youth program that you've been doing, mm-hmm. uh, is it just a youth program? Is it a school? What, what What is it? Talk about that to me. What's the name of it? And, and... It's actually a youth program. It's called Made in Chicago's uh, Audio Production Program. So what it is is um, youth-based audio production and mentoring. Um, so we teach them the principles of hip-hop. Um, we teach them how to make beats on Logic. Um, so what I do is I have an all mobile setup to where I pretty much bring the equipment to the kids, set up, op- you know, set up microphones and beat machines for them to make beats and have open studio sessions. Um, we got a curriculum that goes for two years. Um, so what we've been doing is doing work um, within Chicago park districts mm-hmm. and CPS for daytime programming. So um, if they wanted to have a beat making class, they could have a pop-up class or they can have a continuation class that goes for six months, a year, however they want to customize it. But basically we have a, a mobile youth production program where all we need is the kids and we bring the equipment and we train them. We let them do songs in the studio, mentor them to pretty much make sure that the content is clean and that nobody's using any profanity or, you know, derogatory phrases or statements and pretty much give up a clean um, production of youth-based hip hop. Um, would, would you like to have a brick and mortar building of your own for that? Yeah, I would love to do that. Okay. I would love, I would love to do that. Um, that's actually one of my personal dreams with the youth program is to have a center that we can do it. Um, I think what's dope is that we've managed to navigate around the necessity of having our own brick and mortar because there's so many organizations who need youth programming. They need something that the youth actually want to do. So this is what I love about this program is that um, this is something that we know kids want to do. You know, you remember when you were young, people sitting on the lunchroom table banging on the table making beats, kicking raps. Yep. So this whole cultivation of their talent while they're young, like they shouldn't have to wait till they get out of high school or get to college to run into somebody with a studio. Now all of this money coming in, the state, city, federal, county. And there's some schools that got whole studios in there, but guess what? The teachers are teaching math and science. They don't have a program or a service that can pretty much run the studio that's already in the school. But that's where we come at. You know, we are on one of the one of the few black vendors mm-hmm. with CPS and um, the Chicago Park District that's providing a service that's youth-based, which means that this is something that kids want to do. This ain't what a bunch of teachers and principals, you know, you gotta fight with them to even get them to understand that, wait a minute, this beat making, not only is it therapeutic, but it's educational, right? And it puts them on the pathway to become audio engineers. 
Absolutely. Can't forget the mixing part as well, because we teaching them how to mix and record. You know, my youth are making beats and then they reciting poems like Maya Angelou and um, um, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, putting them over the beats that they make and mixing them. So that's dope. The program is amazing. Um, I wanted to do that because you, I figured like with the internet, record sales, streams, like what are producers and engineers gonna do in the daytime? You know, I wanted to create jobs for producers. That was my ambition. Like how can I help the youth and help some of these beat makers who are in the basement that don't have no bread? Right, right. We can turn them into instructors and then pretty much sew the youth up by allowing them to rap at an early age. They don't already have the skills. Find a lane. Right. Help, help them chisel their craft. We was able to kill two birds and one stone. So our platform is to set up and pull producers out of the basement. So they ain't just got to be sitting there making beats forever. Do you got? Do you guys have a website for it? If so, give it up. Yeah, we got a blog. Um, our blog is um, www.themikecapblogspot.com. Um, and plus, uh, we got an Instagram page. It's um, uh, Mike Audio Pro. Okay. Instagram that got um, all the pictures and videos of the youth that we've been working with over the last five years. We've been doing this for a while. Okay. Permanent contract. So that's one of the things that keeps me in the city. Um, I would be doing more out of town work, but when I got a contract, and I got to be at a school teaching kids, I'm here. Okay, because that was another thing. I'm glad you said that I was going to mention that. What is that the one of the things that keeps you in the city uh, instead of moving on somewhere else? And, and, that's, what keep, that's what keeps me here. And I think that's what's so good. It's so many of our artists that they got to find success in another city in order to propel themselves. I think what's dope about what we got going on is um, we've been able to make a lane and check a bag from the crib. Mm -hmm. I think that's why, um, you know, that's why the youth programming is so important because, um, man, it's money here. Like everybody ain't gonna be able to run off to LA and just try to be a star, you know? <laughs> Under the, I'm trying to get on act. You know what I'm saying? When we got an actual a service and a program that that's in demand here. You know what I'm saying? And I think it goes back to the I think it goes back to the earlier statement you said. Your foundation, your base, building it, building it, building it up, and then the way that you move through Chicago to try to get yourself into those places. You know, right. like if it's something respectable, there'll be more people that are inclined to mess with it. And mm -hmm. people will gradually say, yo, I mess with that. And I mess with them because of what they're doing. And it's not right. associated with some mess. And y'all just, y'all just got to, y'all just got a, a clean classic product, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, um, you know, things are, you know, between the youth program, the beer and the music, like we covering a lot of ground in the city. You know, you, you got community based and then you got an actual physical product and then, you know, through the music and the beer and then you got a service, you know, touring and youth programs. So it's like 
I'm just trying to cover all of the bases for us being able to be successful here, you know, um, and then take those platforms somewhere else. You know, I'm not about um, just getting a little notoriety and then setting up the foundation somewhere else. No, the foundation is going to be here. Yeah. You know, the structure is going to be here. We're going to have some in line for you. And it's like a lot of rappers talk about it, but I'm not even a famous rapper like that. And I'm actually hands on doing shit in the community with kids. Yeah. Like, there ain't no bread that's trickling through my foundation to help them. No, I'm the teacher in the classroom. Right. You, you're, you're actively involved. I'm actively involved to the point I'm, you know, I'm the teacher and the owner of the company. So not only am I sewing up the contracts, but I'm actually teaching the class. So, you know, and then don't get no more hands on than that. And, I, no. and that's the kind of approach that we need. And like I say, my motivation behind that was it's like, in this day and age, sitting up selling records online, that's boring. The computer doing all the work. Yeah. I'm not about to sit back with all this talent and not try to give it to nobody. Because when we was coming up, showing somebody how to make beats or write raps or DJ, that was, those were secrets. They didn't just tell you that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that got to be illuminated because, you know, our youth going to be stagnant. Like, how, how, how working a beat machine got to be some G14 classified thing? This shit I'm, gl is I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that, man. Because how, how do you expect the next generation to grow if motherfuckers is holding this bag to themselves and going, y'all got to figure that out y'all on y'all own? And that's what I'm saying. That's why it's only one Jay Dilla and not a million of them. Because the information that was passed down, it was like, shh, don't tell nobody I showed you how to do this trick on the MP. No, fuck that. We showing 30 kids at the same time how to do this trick on the MP. Right. Because what is it hurting you by holding the information back? It's still something that can help them. So you're going to not let them learn something that can help them in the future? And you're still the master teacher at the end of the day that did it. So if they don't give you credit for what they came up with, that looked bad on them. So it's like, I look at it like, man, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. But when I look at it, like, man, how many kids I done influenced? Bro. How many people that I done get started? Like, man, I want to make beats. This is what I want to do. Your youth program and the one that I was a part of. You're talking about young men and women who are now retired professional athletes and are still lawyers, doctors, and accountants to this day. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. And I asked for nothing. I'm like, yo, y'all success is enough for me. Yeah. I'm happy that y'all made it. That's my success off of seeing you guys make something out of yourselves other than what that neighborhood dictates. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just overall, man, it's the right thing to do, man. It Some is. You gotta be humble enough. Like they talk about the shy like a dog. But somebody got to be humble enough to not be scared to go in there and make music with the game bangers. Who going to do that? Who gonna I, know, do that? I, I know a couple people that's doing it and they do it faithfully, you know, from the West side, on the West side. I say that he, he out there on the West side and he, he does his thing. But it's very few people that's willing to step in and say, yo, y'all come out of, get out the corner, come in here. Let me show y'all how to rhyme. Talk, let's talk about what's bothering you in here in, here in the studio. And that's, that's therapy, dog. And so, you know, um, God is blessing me, man, by just being a blessing to others, man, and have a continually have a, have a giving spirit, man. 
not to hold no grudges and not to be the quintessential Chicago hater, hating on everything that you can't understand or can't reach because right. that ain't the way. You know what it I'm ain't. saying? If you want some money out here, you better start appreciating people who do have money. And apply yourself. You hate, on, hate on the person that you want to be. So it's a mindset, you know, a mindset shift that needs to take place out here. And when you do that, um, you're going to look like you by yourself, but you you definitely on the right path. Yeah. And to, to anyone who's listening, especially if you are from his program, a program that I was a part, part of, or if you're just a young child listening, apply yourself. Nothing will come to you if you don't yeah. apply yourself. Got to put the work in. Man. You got to. And you got to be accountable and responsible for the stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Don't never let a day go by when you're not accountable and you're not applying yourself to your craft. You got to do it. Yeah, you gotta do that, man. Gotta do it. If you if you gonna even if you're gonna get out here and talk the, the toughest street shit in the music, apply yourself, man. But make sure that you know that you're being accountable for the message that you're putting out. Cause it's something that's coming with that. Yeah, it's something that comes with all of that. And that's why it's best to just try to keep it player because you know you gotta pay for everything that come out your mouth, man. Yeah, you man. Yeah, man. So, let's let's talk about this because you know it's kind of woven into to where we are right now the the drill scene that that has taken over the the the, the music right now mm-hmm. bro I, bro i've never seen this much killing mm-hmm. coming coming by way of music ever mm-hmm. yeah um the music is just a conduit okay so you know um just like the crime and the gun violence is just a symptom of a bigger problem. Facts. Right? And we've always, you know, we deal with symptoms instead of dealing with solutions. And um, part of the drill issue is that, um, unfortunately, it's being documented through songs, but these ain't number retaliatory murders. That's, That's all. it. That's it. Some of this shit go back to the early 80s. It's tit for tat. Boom, 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 boom. It's just that the drill rappers have used drill music as a way to kind of document score. Absolutely. And that's all that's happening. But it ain't nothing new. So when you trace some of these killings back, you're going to wind up somewhere in the 90s. Drive-by music, because I'm not saying nobody's name, but people made drive-by music at one point. Yeah, but that's what's going to happen, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, when you when you trace back, if, like, if you actually did investigative research to, well, why this rapper got shot, it's going to be retaliation to somebody else who got popped. Yeah. Who said something about somebody else in the song. It's kind of like, it's almost like a tit-for-tat rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the solution to a lot of that is... Um, I've been to places where they don't play that shit on their radio stations. Mm-hmm. I had uh, Jeff the Ellis on here. He's like, I don't play none of that. Yeah, I, I went to I went to states like Arizona, been in Phoenix, and um, even a couple of times I've been in in Minnesota and certain places where they understand that the music that you listen to, like some people know that everybody don't have it all. And they know that that influence is too heavy. 
So it's been places out cities that I done went to, they playing rap, but they playing Sir Mix a lot. They like, you gonna get some rap, but you're not gonna get nothing that's gonna influence you to mark nobody. Yeah, we don't want you, we don't want no violence in here. This is what I'm saying. And so I'm not, I'm actually not against that. And sometimes I've seen it as, I remember a couple of times I went down south and I'm like, man, this is what they listening to? Like, why is the hell they playing Sir Mix a lot? And, 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 and too short and um, all these old ass non-threatening rap records. And then, then it hit me as like, this is the way for them to indirectly keep their niggas in line. Yeah. Look, we, wanna, we, we want y'all to have fun, but we want to get paid and we want to stay open. That shit is real, dog. Because once you understand that concept of that everybody don't have it all, you can't play drill music to everybody that don't have it all. No, sir. You know, we dealing with mental illness. We dealing with, we live in the age where the crack baby, the crack baby is grown. Ooh. He's an adult. Ooh. Like we don't, we don't like to address that shit. And then in the early, late 90s, you had the, the X-Peel babies. They adults now. Yeah. So it's like without addressing the real problem, you can't just put a frequency out to everybody and some of these people's brains is already mush. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you making a Frankenstein. And so that's kind of what we're going through with. So I think like even if the program directors were a little bit more conscious of like, you know what? If they gonna listen to this shit, let them do it on their own phone. Yeah, we not gonna play it over the the airwaves. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But the powers that be, they put money behind them records to to get them spins. They talk about it. They want you to be a drone. They want they want to do that. And so no, now think about it. Like sonically, it's platforms that have been created for niggas to kill themselves. Absolutely. To where you ain't even got to do nothing. They're going to kill their own selves through the music. All you have to do is just let the wrong content out there. That's it. Just to put it point, out. Yeah, if you telling them to do something, like I, was re- I remember talking to a friend of mine who works in radio and was um, mentioning how hard it was to get the Kendrick Lamar record, We Gonna Be All Right, worked. Right? One of the problems with it was it's inspirational. Wow. Who want to hear that when it's when when you tell them, my man, I'm gonna pop you, that'll sell more. But if you on the hook talking about so we gonna be all right, they threatened by that. We I would rather you do something negative than a positive. Because it don't sell. It don't sell. And they sit in meetings and go over strategy for it. Because it's a formula. They know that. Yeah. that we know that. Negative news travels quicker. It's the same thing musically. You know what I'm saying? What you think gonna sell? Somebody telling you, do a, a Heather B, put the guns down, or do a Pooh Shiesty, get me back, I'm get you back in blood. Right. What you think gonna get most spins? The negative shit always get more spins. I'm to say, that's just our natural, our natural, natural way. But then if you got avenues like, the oldest form of communication, which is radio, pretty much green lighting all the negative shit in one of the most high crime areas and 
overpopulated places, it's just like a, a big ass melting pot, you know? It just keep the frequency up. And do you do you think part of that, Rob, is is the 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 way they're growing up? Like no one's in a, no one is in, in is in the house being responsible for the kids, what they're listening to and what they're viewing. Um that play a role, but then you know, we live in, in you know, we like two, three generations in of single parent families, right? Yeah. You know, and when you're dealing with that, you know, it ain't necessarily uh you know, a balance, you know, it ain't necessarily a balance. So, you know, we look at the crime, we look at the crime and then we talk about family and we got majority single parent households out here. So what that mean? A mama raising, you know, the same news that you watching, man, so-and-so drive by and all this, blah, blah, blah. The single parent, that's her son and nephews and shit. Yeah, that ain't to say that the daddy don't play no role, but the reality of it is because mom, of the single parent home, like this is what she has to deal with. She trying to raise all these kids without a father, her, right? And she trying her best. And how yeah. it looks in this day and age is she in the bathroom on Instagram trying to be cute. Her son in the next room with guns. Her, her and her nephews, and they going out marking people. And they looking at it on the news like, damn, this crime is, is terrible. These y'all kids. Yeah. That's one of the biggest contradictions in the world. Like, how are we going to sit back and point the finger when the, the solution is to actually raise your kids? Don't watch them. They'd be like, man, I'll be watching my kids. You ain't watching them or raising them. No, the TV watching them. The TV watching them in the video game. You know what I'm saying? And Grand Theft is telling them how to be a criminal. Like, so they've been schooled on this the whole time. But then, you know, all these contradictions within the black community, you know, how many, how many fathers get labeled as a deadbeat? They can't even see they shorts. So then when you go out and do a drive-by, you're like, I wasn't in this life. The mama didn't even let me see him because I ain't have enough bread. Because I couldn't pay child support. But the, the base level shit that you could do is allow a man to be involved in his child's life. That changes a lot. Yeah, but if you want him to ruin himself just to prove a point because the nigga wasn't with you, that's a whole nother ballgame. Yeah, and, and that system has been placed in front of us, too. That a lot of women ain't rooting for their son to win. They might want him to win, but mm. they can the daddy so much they don't care. Mm. And that's real, dog. That's real. And it, it'd be it's different for a little girl, but, man. And it, it, it's super real. You, you spoke on it, but it's one of those things I think about from time to time is like, there are women who sit around and go, I don't need no man. Baby, yes, you do. It took a man to make that happen. That yeah. shit ain't just happen. You yeah. ain't wake up pregnant. You A father, a man had sex with you and planted the seed for that child to be here. The least you could do is let him be involved in that child's life. Yeah, I mean, we need they they need man. You know, we the only race of people that's proud of doing it on our own. No other race. Like, man, I'm independent. I don't have nobody to help me. I'm proud of that. Man, you crazy? Let's do that, mate. That don't make sense. Even mathematically, two is stronger than one. You're not gonna tell me one income can do it. And even if it can, if you had two, you know how much better that would be. It's always better when you got two parents in a, in a household. 
two, I don't care if that other income was a dollar. It's a dollar more than what you had. So it's like this whole concept of these statements that we live off of, we live off of statements like I can do bad by myself or I don't need a man or all of these things. Don't pull a gun if you don't shoot it. Niggas that wrote their own Bible of bullshit. And we live by it every day. And it's like, until we correct the thought process, we ain't going to be where we need to be. We're we not. And, and the, a, lot of, a lot of these statements that you just made are statements that are coming from people who are dealing with their own personal trauma and hurt. Right. 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 And you know what at rate we see therapists. Man, so you want to say what? 0.00000% up until the last five to seven years, maybe 10 has went up. I mean, they know it a little bit more now, but it's still taboo to them. Like, it be, in their mind, if you need therapy, you crazy. That's not true. No, 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 no. Man, no. We've been traumatized just being black. Just you know being black. Real, driving, a, driving a car being a black man is not a good feeling in the shot. Not have your license. It's people that got shot for not having insurance. You mean like, Rob, that don't make no sense. It makes a lot of sense. To us, it does, because I've been in places, or you, you hear about these stories in Chicago. Young man was told to reach in the glove compartment. He went to reach for his license, and he get, he get popped. Yeah. Police officer staying him right there. Boom. Yeah, so that's a lot of trauma to deal with, you know, just waking up, being a brother every day. Shit, I believe all of us need counseling. I, I think so too. Just to be able to continue to be a nigga every day. <laughs> <laughs> you need a therapist to talk you through it. Like, okay, you got this. It's only twenty four hours. Today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Repeat these things in your mind. Repeat yeah. Say you worthy of living. Yeah. And, and and let me say this too, because if we going if we got to do therapy, the motherfuckers that did it to us got to do the therapy too. Cause y'all are fuck, you a fucked up group of people to do this to somebody and leave they them like are, that. Man. They are man, but one of their coldest moves was not letting us be able to read. Cause that shit gonna last. That shit last for some years. That don't go right away. You know the need for education, the need for us to even be thoroughly equipped to handle whatever. We so quick to go in and do the job. I ain't never been trained. I ain't never read one manual. No, and, and then on top of that, the next thing that they made sure that they didn't do that was teach us financial financial leadership. Oh man, of course not that. Cause that's that's the keys to success. How that's to manage the- your money and knowing the difference between um uh, uh, uh money and wealth. Like they ain't not gonna teach us that. Kind of the stuff. the the purpose of building your credit and what good good credit can actually do for you. That stuff is going to be deep embedded in books. <laughs> yeah, books that they know niggas ain't going to read. And can't find, right. <laughs> <laughs> he said they can't find them. Lord of mercy, man. Oh. Lord of mercy. That's crazy. Uh, Rob, it's been a pleasure with you, man. Can I take up some more of your time or, or do you got do you got to move I got on? a few more minutes, man. I got a few more minutes. Okay. All right. So while back, they had that whole debate. Do you think that there is someone that could get into a versus with Jay-Z? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think Ye can bang with him on a versus. Damn. His competition is, is you know, in my eyes, you know, um, Kanye. Okay. It's like when it comes down to that, like 
it's a transition going on with this, you know, best rapper in the world type thing. Cause that's really what it's coming down to. I think it was, um, you know, for a long time, a lot of East Coaster was judging it on how much bread you got. Okay. Um, but if you got a Chicago nigga that got 5 billion, you know, Jay-Z got 1 million, 1 billion. <laughs> you know, I am the best. It's like on paper, he got it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Now let's talk about the music because it's like, for a long time, they was just judging it of, you know, who got it on paper. Cause for a long time it was it was Dre and Jigga going neck and neck for the billion. Kanye pop up with five of them to where yeah. that discussion don't even need to be had no more. Now let's bring it back to music. But like you said, when it comes down to verses, if it's 20 records, I believe they can go toe-to-toe. And that'd be I, a tough I, I believe they can, but I, I think you know Jay-Z gonna play on a lot of that shit. How many of them songs you wrote? I think he gonna go into that bag. Like he really gonna start talking that shit. Yeah, you could do that. You could do that. But you know, a big record is a big record. You know, very um, true. These people they understand the whole concept of adding elements into a song to make it great. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's some people that contribute to some songs. It ain't never been documented that they didn't wrote anything, right? <clears throat> but the song still became a great song. So when it comes down to it, it's like, to me, that's a semantics thing. But can Kanye go up against Jigga? 20 records in the verses? I believe so. Hell yeah, he got, he got a lot of And hang and bang with him. Now, yeah. mind, mind you, Ye making this shit. Jigga just rapping off of Yeah. Yeah, Jay making the vocal arrangements. He's arranging choirs. He's doing all kind of shit that. And he ain't just work with, with Rockefeller Records. He done work with Ed, some of everybody, man. Right. So the man is great, man. And it can't be nothing to take away from, you know, his greatness, his genius, the impact that he done made on the shot. Um, you know, uh, you can't say nothing but, you know, great things about his contribution to the culture, man. You know? Okay. What would you like to see change or improve uh, in a Chicago music culture? Uh, that's good. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I would like to see um, I would like to see more of a unifying approach to running the industry, almost like how Atlanta rappers are linked at the arms, you know? Yeah. From the club owners to the promoters, to the managers, to the artists themselves, they collaborate and they working together. You know what I'm saying? Um, Even if they don't like each other, they all come together. It ain't even about that because when it comes down to business, money green. And so the concept need to be about the progression of the culture. I know in the shy it's about, um, I can't really put my stamp on them because I'm involved in this clique, right? Atlanta ain't like that. And like, I'm in this clique, but I'll help them. They ain't help, that ain't hurt me. It's enough money out here for everybody. And once we understand that it don't have to be one, you know what I'm saying? And, and not only did I notice that from them in the industry, but when I had a chance to be down there, you notice that right away. It could be made in Chicago 
and it could be critical mass on the other side. But motherfuckers shook it up. They dap. They talked some shit. They talked about doing songs with each other, and everybody support the music, whatever was playing. Like I, I never saw it get real crazy down there as far as music was going. Like motherfuckers was just supporting their own people. They were trying to make sure that they guys was winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so in the shy, it's a little bit different because you'll have multiple groups doing stuff like that. It's like that like click shit. Go. That click, click shit, shit, man. Like that- everybody got their time. Like okay, from this. This year, this group is in, is doing a lot of shit, and then this year, this group is doing like one thing I have noticed is that it used to be a lot of different groups and acts in the shy. It ain't even really like that no more. Like I even feel like even where we are as a group and a company and a label, I ain't saying it ain't no competition, but it's kind of like once somebody movement start really popping, people just sit back and watch. Yeah, like, I ain't even rapping no more. I ain't in the group. It's like the album will come out once we fall back, <laughs> right? So the other group pop up once the opportunity comes instead of just staying out here doing their thing. Yeah. You know, they sit back and watch whoever running it, run it. It's always been that way. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, even with us, it's like I, I wish it was other influences on the group side to where we could unify enough to be like, okay, these five cold ass groups from the shot, they going on tour. Yeah. Like they taking the show on the road because they've unified. He got a fan base, he got a fan base, he got a fan base. Now we could put together a venue and all check some bread. Bon bon. All five groups from the shot on tour. You know, so and get the money around the Midwest, around the South, and then St. You Louis, could, Milwaukee, all over the Midwest, all over the Midwest, and then you could build something, bring that back to Chicago. Somebody could open up a club over here, or have a, some type of organization over here, and, and and just change the way shit maneuvers, man. But it's too much. It's too much dissension, man. I I hate that. That's kind of how I feel. Like I'm not going. I'm not gonna beg. I'm not gonna beg no group or no artist to kind of help us run shit out here. Mm-mm. I I got it. We got it. <laughs> we got it. We keep on doing it with the Moors and doing the live shows, and we opening for Benny the Butcher this Thursday. You know, um, at the Promontory, real big show coming up on the seventeenth. So, staying relevant, man. Yes, sir. Relevant in these times. That's you know that's important. You know, being being productive, being productive. Rob Smooth, man, it's been a pleasure. One of Chicago's finest, made in Chicago, also known as King Drive. Man, thank you, man. My brother, I appreciate it, man. This has been an awesome talk. I I, I appreciate you giving me the time and the opportunity to do it. No problem, man. And so for anybody want to get in contact with the brand, um, the music or the brew, they they can go to uh, thekingdrive.com and get merch. We got music. Links to everything we got going on, shows, stuff like that. Yes, sir. And we're going to end it there. To everyone listening, remember the mission statement when you're striving for greatness. God never puts you in a driver's seat if it's taken.